0: BLOB TALK
1: RADIO Corruption Racism Xenophobia White Supremacy Healthcare protections hanging by a thread Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality Peaceful people being separated from their families And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia Who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, that's right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear before it's too late. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. You can also uh, join us in the chat room once I open it on uh, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. Or if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., uh, at liberal dan radio on twitter on the show thread on liberaldan.com or on facebook.com slash liberal dan as well um it's been a very uh productive or you know week and a half at my new job so i've been more uh focusing on that and not focusing as much as perhaps i could on podcast I will i'll put some more time in the you know, obviously the next weeks to come, but I did want to still have the show today, and there's lots of things going on in our country, uh, and um, there's primaries going on, there's um, things going on personally that I want to gripe about. Uh, you've got Rachel Maddow, who met with uh, Lev Parnas and his lawyer, his attorney, and um, about the whole uh, issues pertaining to uh, the Orange Cheeto Man and the uh, and he had who was arrested with a one way ticket, as Rachel Maddow says, charged with federal counts for funneling illegal donations to Republican candidates and campaigns. <clears throat> so it'll be interesting. He, he did plead not guilty. Uh, And the crime, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what uh, Rachel Maddow is saying at the moment. And if there's anything that goes on in that, I might break in in the middle of what I'm saying to kind of point out, um, you know, anything interesting that happens. So we have, first and foremost, it was was broken the other day uh, that according to Elizabeth Warren or one of the people from the Elizabeth Warren campaign – that a conversation that took place between Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders ended up with the, uh, the idea that Bernie Sanders stated that he didn't believe that a, a woman could be president in this country or would be elected. I guess that would be probably the more accurate representation of what she said that he said, that a woman could not get elected president in this country. Now, of course people who are vehemently opposed to Bernie Sanders and are part of the Never Burners, um, which I'll get to that in a second. Um, You have, you know, those people are going to jump all over it and think the worst thing and assume the absolute worst, even though there's no reason to. Uh, Bernie Sanders has been on the side of women and women's rights for his career. Uh, If you were to ask me if Bernie Sanders is a sexist, I would tell you no. I have no reason to believe that he's a sexist. I have no reason to believe that he finds women incapable of serving as president. What I fully believe that he's saying based off of the context of everything else that has happened in his career, everything else that he has fought for is simply that he was questioning the, um, the sexism in this country. And, and you know what, we, we do live in a country with, uh, with a lot of ingrained and institutionalized sexism and it it exists it's real and it is maybe possible that Bernie Sanders just made an offhand comment that he doesn't recall if you asked me what I said two years ago or a year and a half ago if I said certain words and I just made an offhand comment I'd, I'd probably say you know what I don't remember saying that um, maybe I would have handled it a little differently than Bernie said. Did I would have maybe said, "Look, I don't recall ever saying anything of the sort. Uh, if I would have said anything on that on that topic, I would have been saying it to question the uh, sexism the uh, that takes place in our country, and not because I think women are incapable of serving in that office. I don't think Warren could also be a little better with it. I think Warren might be a little bit disingenuous trying to assert any sort of sexism and if Bernie really doesn't remember what he said that that day then I don't you know then I, I think it's reasonable to say okay well maybe he just doesn't remember it now and, and him saying that he doesn't remember if had you say he didn't remember it instead of saying I never said it then it would have come off as him saying that she was not telling the truth, telling the truth. and Warren said that she's not, you know, that the Bernie Sanders basically called her a liar. I think somebody who's reading lips in that conversation, I think Warren did, you know, point that out and say, look, it's like you're calling me a liar. And, you know, saying, if I say that you're saying something untrue, it doesn't necessarily, she believes something to be true. And she says that thing that she believes to be true, that she's not lying. Um, but if he's saying that he doesn't believe it to be true, then that's not necessarily saying that she's lying either. So I think both of the candidates could have handled it a little bit better. Give the, the day, get vote blue no matter who, don't care who it is, vote for the Democratic candidate. And there's one thing that just gets brought up, oh, now we have a bunch of people who are never warned. Hashtag never warned. I didn't want to even use... The hashtag when promoting the show, although I may maybe could have gotten more listeners, more people tuning in had I used the hashtag. But I just didn't want to perpetuate that hashtag because we all need to perpetuate those ideas that we're not going to vote for the eventual Democratic nominee. We need to support the Democratic nominee, whoever it is, against Donald Trump. We needed to do that last time. We didn't. of Bernie Sanders supporters voted for Donald Trump in states that mattered. Had those voters voted for anybody else or just not voted, they didn't have to vote for Hillary. They could have voted for Jill Stein. They could have voted, (coughs) excuse me, for Gary Johnson. Could have voted for anybody. It's not Trump. I don't know how you go from Sanders to Trump, unless you're just a flat out anarchist. But I mean, I don't know how you're an anarchist in the vote for Sanders unless you're, ju- unless you're just trolling the Democratic primary. That's the only thing that I could – that's the only logical, reasonable thing is like – somebody brought this up to me. And I think I might have talked about this on a previous show, that you had a situation where you know maybe these people were – a lot of these people were voting for Bernie in the primary because they were really Republicans and wanted to screw over Hillary. And if that was the case, then that – All that proves is that Bernie's support wasn't as high as he thought it was and and as high as the supporters thought that it was. So and I do want to just chime in and just say, look, if I cough again, I don't know what happened. Um, I was getting over my cough. Uh, It seems to have come back again. Uh, Some people say that – some people blame the weather, and then doctors say, oh, the weather can't do it. But it seems to me that whenever the weather has such harsh changes and – We've had some harsh changes in weather. It was 80-something degrees one day, and then it's 50 degrees, and it's 80 degrees. And I'm sure people up in the north are like, 80 and 50. We would love to have 50, let alone 80. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we have some zany weather here in New Orleans, and it may be, if you believe that it can, maybe it's part of the cause of me getting my cough back. So um, as I'm sitting here talking, I'm sitting here coughing this sucking on a cough drop so it is what it is so if I cough I do apologize uh for coughing um let's go ahead and take the first commercial break uh come back take your calls as well 914-803-4131 that's 914-803-4131 this is liberal day and radio talk from the left that's right or go to youtube.com slash budgeteers and help make your trip the best it can be. Budgeteers.com is not a travel agency, and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. And I think to myself,
0: what a wonderful show mm, yeah.
1: Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a rideshare driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time runner credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings.
2: This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? (laughs) Well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life, talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the tunes.
1: to Liberal Dane Radio. Talks from the left, that's right. If you want to join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. One of the things I like about um, <coughs> Don, i.e. Nimbus Yosh, host of the Percy Podcast, a good friend of mine, is simply the fact that we're both two people that like to do self-deprecating humor, humor, especially making fun of our listener totals. Uh, But, you know, it is what it is, and we both have podcasts on the Anchor network, so you can search the Anchor, anchor anchor.fm, you can find the Percy podcast, you can find the Liberal Dan Radio hashtag minicast, Uh, you can find both of those shows and listen to them, he has about 15 right now, I have about two, Uh, I'll probably do one in the next day or two, depending on how things are looking, but... You know, it's a fun little thing. On my last show on that, uh, and you can find the links on Twitter. On that last show, I talked very little politics. I did talk about a uh, little Baby Yoda theory, bringing in some nerdness to it, and then I talked about spoke about uh, the death of Neil Peart. Um, Peart. Uh, I've said Neil Peart for so long, it's very hard for me to not say Neil Peart and instead say Neil Peart as everyone else is now saying. Um, I talked about, spoke about that, uh, his, his passing last week, how it affected me. I was a little broken up last Thursday and Friday, uh, listening to some Rush songs. I just started tearing up, and it was probably too soon for me to go do some karaoke. I mean, if, if you know me, you know I like karaoke, and I, I enjoy myself. My wife makes fun of me for how I like to do it. Interestingly enough, there's a video of me doing karaoke at Comic-Con, uh, this, this month, on uh, this first Saturday of the year, and I was singing a song right next to Kato Kalin, the Kato Kalin from OJ. So there's that. And I was kind of amusing. Again, I don't know if you'd call that a, a life's goal or a life achievement or something on the bucket list uh, getting accomplished, but it was definitely something that was at least interesting um <coughs> excuse me so what else oh there's the kickstarter of course that's going on um 1500 I, I didn't make the requirement for the kickstarter to actually sell off 100 ads i made it 1500 so at this point if 50 ads sell at 30 bucks an ad i will be uh doing uh, it, will, it will fund and I'll make a little bit of money for the podcast. Maybe I'll be able to invest a little bit in the show. Uh, it's up to y'all. If you uh, want to see me do a little more with the show, then I'd be um, more than happy to do it. I just need some l- little added push to, to push it beyond just a little bit of extra side job that I do with it. Um, Cause I want it to be something good. I just, I need some support to have it happen. So again, just, you don't even have to buy advertisements. You can simply, Everybody, If everybody on Twitter, or Twitter who followed my podcast donated a buck, I'd be there. If all my Facebook friends donated a buck, I'd be there. Both of them, if all two of them, if all two of those collections of people donated bucks, I'd be there. Even more. And I'd only have to produce one ad because only one person's bought an ad so far. But it is what it is. You can see the, the sales totals on there. So if you want to want to support the podcast, please go ahead and do so. If not, you know... I'll bring you the high-quality podcasts at bargain-basement prices that I do every day. But if you don't contribute to the Liberal Dan podcast, I could say that... Because... But if you did choose to contribute to the Liberal Dan podcast Kickstarter, the Make 100 Kickstarter, and decided to buy an ad on Liberal Dan Radio, I would say... You have chosen wisely, but as of right now, it's more like there it is. So, um, what else I want to talk about in, in this this segment of the break? I haven't really heard much of anything um coming from Lev Parnas, but then again. I'm talking while they're talking, so I don't really have much ability to pay much attention to what's being said. I can only watch kind of the splashing things over the screen. There was some comment about how the aid, I guess that Trump was promising uh, was more than just military aid. it was aid in general. So we will see what what that does, and I'm sure I'll maybe watch the broadcast of the of Rachel Maddow later just to see what's going on and just to see what the interview entails. So, one um, well, thing I did, I kind of want to talk about Bernie Sanders, and it, it, this is something that the Republicans, the Republicans, how they so much seem to care. They just so care so much about Bernie Sanders. Oh, my God. He's poor Bernie. According to Republicans, I understand if you're a Bernie Sanders supporter and you're angry, about what happened in 2016, look, there were wrongdoings done by the Democratic Party. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, I called for her, her to resign. I thought it was unfair that when Bernie Sanders you know, reported that there was a bug in the software that got the information from the database, that he was seeing information from other campaigns, uh, I thought that was good of him. It was showed honor and integrity that he reported that. And to punish honor and integrity is is crap. Um, Donald Brazil with the uh, debate questions again that was crap. Debbie Washman Schultz just in general that was crap. And 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 the Republicans Jeff on that radio show that I call into on Ringside Politics, other 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 people as well just want to jump on and say oh poor Bernie he was so poorly treated during the primers as if he wouldn't be poorly treated during a general election had he won the nomination he was so mistreated they care so much about bernie i don't believe you for a second that you care anything about bernie sanders all you're trying to do is cause discord and dissension in the democratic rank of file which you know i'd expect you to do but
2: <coughs>
1: i would just hope that the uh, democrats the progressives the liberals who would be that they're trying to convince all of all of the Sanders supporters that they're trying to convince, I would just hope that they wouldn't believe it. I would hope that they would just be like, look, it's obviously you don't care about Bernie and all you're trying to do is try and create dissension among the ranks. So, and they're, I mean, they're, they're candidates who have, you know, Bernie Sanders is going to bring in a big chunk of the progressives and they'll be very excited about him. Warren brings in different people. Biden brings in different people. Even Bloomberg brings in different people. And Bloomberg, to its credit, said, look, we're going to run this campaign through November, and if I'm not the one that gets the nomination, then I'm going to run this campaign on behalf of the people who do. Good for him. That's, 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 that's vote blue no matter who. Regardless of what you want to say about Bloomberg and what you agree with it and, and whether or not he should be running, that's vote blue no matter who. That's how you do it if you have the money to do it, obviously. But if you don't have the money to do it, just commit to supporting the person who's going to get the nomination, regardless of who that person is, and vote blue no matter who, please. So, but all these people, you want to talk about all of the the issues that, that Bernie Sanders had. You want to talk about how Bernie, you know, was treated unfairly. By the um, Democratic establishment, Hillary Clinton again was the not was the favorite to win the nomination in 2008. Everyone everyone loved Hillary, and people I mean they knew who Barack Obama was. I knew who he was from the 2004 convention when he gave the keynote speak speech. I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting in the bed in, in my house, and I had the the the, the Convention, the Democratic Convention, on in the background. I was listening to it. I think I was doing homework. I wasn't really watching it. Then all of a sudden, I started hearing this person, and he sounded like The Rock. I'm like, why? Why is The Rock giving a speech at the? Oh, that's not The Rock. Who is that? Oh, that's Barack Obama. To his credit, during the 2008 election, him and Hillary and um, John McCain. All went on WWE television and gave their speech and their, gave their plug to, as to why you should support them for the nomination for the for the for their nomination I guess for the Democratic side <laughs> and ultimately for president on the overall and McCain had a cute line or so Hillary had a cute line or so but I wish. I wish, wish, wish that he would have sold the If You Smell What Barack is Cooking, because that would have been just epic. Because I was, I, I joked about that even before they announced that he was going to be on the wrestling show. And I had to turn it on specifically to see that, because I don't think I had watched wrestling in years. Probably since before 2004 is when I last watched wrestling. And then to see him on the, on the big screen and know that they were coming on and then him not selling the can you smell what Barack is cooking, oh, that was such a missed opportunity. But Hillary was, I, I said it, a lot of people that well, as soon as Hillary announced her, her running in 2008, people basically said that, oh, she's the presumptive nominee. I said she's the presumptive nominee. She has to be considered the favorite right now and then you had like those three people. You had John Edwards, you had Hillary Clinton, you had Barack Obama. And poor John Edwards. like Barack Obama, I think, during one of the debates or town halls or forums or whatever it was that they had. He was sitting there on stage and he goes, this is a historic election. You've got the potential for the first black president. You've got the potential for the first woman president. And then you got John. And the look on poor John Edwards' face was just like, I can't catch a break. And well, he was too busy catching other things, come to find out. But the so good thing he didn't win, because that would have just been terrible in the general election. But the thing is, is that, again, Hillary Clinton had. The presumption that she was going to be the nominee, that it was going to be hers, she was owed it. I knew she was probably going to be president. And then Barack Obama did something that at the time I questioned. I said, "Look, why is he campaigning in the South? Like he won North Carolina or whatever the South Carolina. I'm like, oh great, you won the South Carolina primary, whippy. He's not winning South Carolina. He's not winning North Carolina." He's not winning Georgia. He's not winning any of these states that are down here in the South. And there are some primary issues with Florida. So in Florida didn't count, but he wasn't going to win any of these states. Why are you campaigning there? And he taught me a lesson, and I learned a lesson that, you know, In the first of all, in the primaries, <coughs> a, a New York delegate is worth the same as a Georgia delegate, so why not try and get all the delegates as you can? So he went down south. He piled in a whole crap ton of delegates, and not only did the delegates start coming his way, the super delegates, delegates started coming their way, and at the end of the day, he wound up winning the nomination. Furthermore, he wound up winning, 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 winning great English Dan, he wound up winning the North Carolina, North Carolina in the Electoral College. Now, there was uh, um, was it Dole was running for re-election that year? And there was some uh, corruption issues in that campaign. And a Democrat won that seat, the North Carolina Senate seat as well. So was it more Barack Obama winning North Carolina because he focused on the South and he was able to pull off that victory? Was it more him kind of riding the coattails of this other candidate, which is kind of strange that a president will ride the senator's coattails, but it is North Carolina. So, but whatever it was, he wrote the book on how to defeat Hillary Clinton in a pri- in a primary. He wrote the book cover to cover. He he won the election that he wasn't it expected to win, to win. But he did it. And anybody else in the future who was thinking of running against Hillary Clinton They were like, okay, let's pick up this book and read it, because it was effective. Don't reinvent the wheel. The wheel works just fine. But Bernie Sanders did not want to follow that playbook. He specifically stated on the news that the Southern Democrats were conservatives and as such, not people that would support him. And yes, he did come and he visited some houses in the South, or did some fundraising in the South, but he didn't campaign in the South. He didn't put any effort on the South. And he explained why he didn't put in any efforts in the South because he felt, felt, felt that the South was full of conservative Democrats, which is just baloney. There's tons of liberals down here, tons of progressives, tons of minority Democrats down here whose support you could have tried to have gotten, but you did not try to get. And as such, they all flocked to Hillary Clinton. She took an insurmountable lead into a near insurmountable lead, at least into the Maryland, the Delmarva uh, primaries, Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. She took and with, and with the wins that she had in those States, her lead at that point became insurmountable. And that's the point where Bernie Sanders said, you know what, we're going to focus on issues and we're going to try and get these issues on the platform. They saw the writing on the wall. The Sanders supporters did the writing on the wall and they knew that Bernie Sanders was not going to have a chance in any way shape or form no matter where you were chance in hell chance in heaven chance anywhere in between to win the primary so they admitted it and moved on and I'm a firm believer that if if None of those other bad things happened. W. Wasserman Schultz behaved. Donna Brazile behaved. Democratic primary was absolutely 100% unbiased. Even though there's a point to be made that he's never been a Democrat, he's caucus with the Democrats, and that's a point too. But people will say, "Look, you're not a regist- you haven't been a registered Democrat. You're just running as a Democrat because it's convenient." And people might want to say that. And you know, if you want to believe that's a good argument, fine. If you don't want to believe it's a good argument, fine. I think it's a it, it's it's potentially a reasonable argument that one could make. if I don't agree with it, but I think it's reasonable. And just to say that is that I'd rather somebody not be a Democrat and support Democratic causes over somebody who claims to be Democrat and not be a progressive. So I'm progressive. Uh, I'm liberal on my use of the word progressive. So you don't have to be far left to be progressive in my mind. You, As long as you're supporting the issues like women's rights, rights for minorities, rights for LGBTQ plus folks, I'm going to consider you a progressive, even if you're not perfect on like economic issues or something. I'd rather you be a little more to the left, but, and there's something to be said, you know, about Bernie Sanders's point. Yeah. I don't think Bernie Sanders, even if he didn't have those things hindering him, I still think that his, that, that mistake his refusal to target the South, his refusal to campaign in the South is ultimately what cost him the election, ultimately cost him the nomination. And if he makes the same mistake again, it would be another unforced error on his part. And he'll have nobody to blame but himself. And his supporters will have nobody to blame but themselves for not convincing Bernie and doing a better job in the South of getting Bernie votes. But ultimately, it's Bernie's responsibility to get and target those voters to get those delegates in the south <clears throat> so but you know Bernie Sanders did make the point assuming that Warren is correct and I, I I have no reason to disbelieve Warren, assuming that she's correct and that she did say that Bernie Sanders said that a a, pres- a, a woman wouldn't be able to win, and assuming that is right in or or in questioning these this country's sexism and misogyny that exists it does that misogyny exists sexism exists it's internalized it's institutional assuming that exists is the country also ready to you know elect somebody who's that far left on the presidency I don't know I don't know It is possible It is absolutely possible Actually, let me go ahead and get another commercial break And I'll get back to my point Because I want to take a, a sip of something to drink Before I start another coughing fit But anyway, again, the in show It's 914-803-4131 That's 914-803-4131 This is Liberal Dane Radio Talk from the left, that's right And I think to myself,
2: what a wonderful show. Mm, yeah.
1: Are you someone who is looking to get into the ridesharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full time gig? Are you currently a rideshare driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time runner credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy.
2: Greetings, this is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life, talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the tunes.
1: And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio Talk from the Left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. It's 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Or if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc., or on the show thread at Liberaldan.com. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, crap. I, I was not even any, paying any attention to the uh, to the to the chat room until I mentioned the chat room, and bringing it, bringing it, boy, uh, is was, has been leaving me some messages. Uh, has been doing so um, for the last maybe I don't know, most of the show. So sorry for ignoring you, uh, bringing it, boy. Uh, I'll get to your comments in a second. But the one thing I did want to say is that you know Hillary Clinton ran Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. So she won the popular vote. More people wanted Hillary Clinton to be president than wanted Donald Trump to be president. A fact that he still is. Absolutely. Just perplexed over still, if you brought it up to him, he'd probably, you know, threaten to nuke another country or something, but. uh, Could Bernie Sanders get the most votes than anybody has ever gotten in a a presidential election ever? Sure. Is it possible that Bernie Sanders could get more votes than any of the candidates that are currently announced for the election? Absolutely. He could do that and still lose. That is my biggest concern with uh, Bernie Sanders. And yes, one of the things he says, bring a point, is 2112, great album. Yes. Rush fan, love 2112. Listen to the entire 2112 on my ride home the other day because they were playing on Rush. But one of my concerns about Bernie Sanders is that, you know, he, he's very, very liberal. And I like the fact that he's very liberal. I like a lot of his policies. I really do. I really do. Uh, I'm concerned with the Medicare for All plan only in that. It could potentially be a giveaway to corporations if corporations go, Well, you know, well, we're not having to pay anything extra now for your health insurance because you're getting it through your taxes, but let's go ahead and keep your salaries the same and not give you more of the money that you've earned. So I would want to make sure, I mean, I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I don't want to let the perfect be the enemy of the good, but I really would want to see companies have to prove that the amount of money they are paying towards their employees, health insurance uh, is going to then go, to, if it's not going to increase taxes to help pay for Medicare for all, it then has to go back to the employee himself or herself or themselves. So that's one of my concerns with the Medicare for all plan. And maybe I've missed it. I know Warren's, I know, um, I know one of Warren's plans, she discussed her plans and she stated that these companies would actually be paying additional taxes to cover that. So, you know, I think that's, that's a positive about her stated plans. Although she had to change her plans because people like um, Chris Matthews would be uh, talking about stuff like, Oh, well, how much more in taxes are they going to pay? And she's like, well, you know, they're going to pay this much more in taxes, but they're also going to pay less for it, and they're not going to pay their premiums anymore. Oh, but they're paying more taxes. And it's like, look, if I'm going to pay $500 more in taxes, but then not have to pay my $800 a month uh, health insurance premiums, and I don't have to pay for uh, huge deductibles, that's a win in my book. Absolutely a win in my book. I'm making net $300 more a month. That's what I'm bringing home. Great. Bring it on. Give me more taxes so I can pay even less in health insurance premiums. That's what I want. So I can't stand when 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 people try and ask those just stupid questions. Because they're really just stupid questions. Absolutely. Um, let's see. <coughs> Benghazi was not a help for the Hillary, and the three thirty thousand 30,000 emails. Okay. Let's talk about Benghazi a second. This is what, uh, one of the things they're bringing it boy, uh, says, uh, B I B it's called B I B for short, bringing it boy, B I B B I B. Um, Benghazi. If you go look up, there's a video and maybe I should share this on my Twitter account at liberal Dan radio on Twitter. If you go to YouTube and you search or search Jason Chaffetz embassy funding or something to that effect, you will find a video where Jason Chaffetz is having a conversation. He was asked specifically – I think it was CNN, but I'm not sure if it was CNN – but he was specifically asked about a vote that the Republicans took uh, pertaining to increasing funding in the outposts to give more outpost security – uh, to increase funds for the outpost security and that he voted no. And Republicans voted no on that issue. And his answer was, of course we voted no. We can't afford to spend money just anywhere. So if you're going to say, you're going to say that it was Hillary, it was the fault of Benghazi, then how can, but because of she didn't respond to the request of funding. no. It was the Republicans that didn't respond to the request for increased funding because they specifically denied it because the Republicans controlled the House of Representatives at the time. And guess what? They said no. They said no. They said no new funding, no increased security. Sorry. So you can't blame Hillary for Benghazi. 30,000 emails. (coughs) You know. I just, the emails have been, you know, hashtag but her emails. There's so much more important things than her emails. You know, and I've really, I, Donald Trump has been using his personal phone to do presidential business. He's opening, he's opened himself up for problematic issues. And, you know, if you believe that you know the, the emos could have been hacked. Well, Donald Trump, his presidency itself has been hacked because he clearly is Putin's puppet. Clearly has has issues. Um, thank you for saying it so true. Clearly is somebody who is, you know, I mean he he's working to destabilize NATO. He screwed up the area between Turkey and Syria. He's, you know, one thing that that I do want to talk about is, you know, with the assassination of Soleimani, and and I'm going to call it an assassination because that's what it was, because there was no attempt made to be arrested. He was not an absolute current threat to anybody at that particular given point in time. You know, when when Obama and the, the SEAL team went in, Obama didn't go in himself, obviously, but when the SEAL team went in and went after um, bin Laden, I mean, they could have captured him if they would have let him, if the people who they were bringing, trying to go after, would have let him. Of course, they weren't going to let him, so he died in the firefight. Fine. So um, you don't just bomb a leader, it opens up a big old Pandora's box. And Obama one – of, one, of, one of the things that the conservatives have criticized Obama for was that he took out Gaddafi. Gaddafi died, and it left a power vacuum, and worse people took over. They talk about – they even talked about Saddam Hussein on this show that I would listen to, and you took out Saddam Hussein. Saddam, you, no one's going to weep over the fact that Gaddafi died, but he was replaced with somebody worse. Nobody's gonna complain about the fact that um whatchamacallit, that Saddam Hussein died, but you know, you, you you leave in his wake a power vacuum. Soleimani, you know, do we know exactly what's gonna get replaced? What's gonna replace him? Is it gonna be worse? We don't know. Of course, the Trump apologists are going to continuously just give him the benefit of the doubt and say, well, it was a good thing that we took him out. Again, I'm not mourning that Soleimani is dead. Not at all. You know, have fun in wherever. It might, maybe it's hell. I don't know. Whatever you believe in. If people get punished in an afterlife, have fun there. Cause that's probably where he would be going. But did his presidency have a plan? Did this administration have a plan For what happens in Iran after he's gone, after he dies, for the ramifications of the death, I'm not convinced of that, not one whatsoever. And I think it's hypocritical for them to say, oh, well, Obama shouldn't have taken out Gaddafi, but then be supportive of the death of Soleimani. So two do have a phone call. So um, I don't know if this is going to be bib or not. Uh, How's it going, caller? What's your name? Where are you from?
0: Hello, my name is Suzette. I'm calling from Southern California.
1: Hey, Susan. I was just there a couple uh couple of months ago. How are you doing today?
0: I'm doing all right, thank you. Um, You're very welcome. So, <laughs> how are you doing? Uh, I'm fighting
1: a cough, unfortunately, but other than that, I'm doing I'm doing well. So, what 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 brings you to the show to call?
0: Um, well, I was just listening to your show, and um, I guess uh, what I would say to about uh Soleimani and the target, him being a target and taken out. Um, is basically uh, he, the man had done a lot of damage to kill a lot of people. Um, as far as yeah, who's going to true. take his place, he was second in command. So it's not as though he was the Ayatollah where, you know, we were doing something like a regime change. Um, so that's I think the difference. I'm sorry, I'm in my car right now. <laughs> no, no problem. that's fine <laughs> so, um anyway, I just wanted to bring that point up um, that you know if he was the Ayatollah and we took him out, that would signal regime change and if there was no plan to uh, I guess you know complete the task, then uh I would agree with you, but because he was second in command. Uh, you know, it's not going to be missed. And the people of Iran, or that are in Iran, you know, originally had protested against um, their government, and and they're still that way. They're still doing that as far as protesting against their government. Um, they're upset that they had taken down, that the plane had taken been taken down um, by their government, and, you know, they're protecting the American flag Preventing, you know, people from stepping on it and um, and disrespecting it. Interesting, I think.
1: <laughs> I, know, I think that is that is interesting, and you are correct in that there. It's not a perfect analogy. Um, analogies rarely are. Um, and but when when you're that powerful, like who you know, when you when you wield <clears throat> enough power to to be the threat that. The administration says that he was, and I've look. I have no reason to disbelieve that he was potentially planning other things. You know, I, I ultimately it's their responsibility to show. I think that he was a threat to at least somebody, not necessarily to the entirety of the American public, but to at least people in Congress, let's say, uh, who who have clearance to see those things and to see the information. Especially people on the other side, so they can be like, you know what, we saw the evidence. Uh, we we can't share it because it's confidential. But he was planning these things. However, it, I think it sends a bad message or bad. It's it's bad form, I think, to not try and capture if capturing is an option. If the person has really done those crimes, that can be you know put in front in front of some sort of tribunal um ask ask if it was yeah. ask if it was specifically the right time you know i think it could have been handled better and if he did conduct all of those things that have said that he he was responsible for um arming funding militias uh funding you know you know the placement well, of ieds and other incendiary you know, devices um that would harm our really troops funded,
0: unfortunately terrorists were yeah responsible that's, for funding you know, our enemies, and then leaving them equipment, you know, because they're supposed to be taking out our other enemies, so that whole friend of my enemy enemy thing. And I totally disagree with all of that, and that's what I appreciated about Kelsey Gabbard, that um, she wanted, you know, she's serious about ending these never-ending wars that we have. I think Trump took the strike because not only was Soleimani leaving, he was at the airport. Uh, leaving and he was not supposed to be leaving that country and Mm. he had left many times before. So I think that they had just basically the opportunity had presented itself. Um, I I am, I am on the fence though about the president's, uh, I don't know, his intelligence, his relationship with the intelligence agency. Um, Right. He doesn't trust the intelligence agency But yet he trusts the information that was given to him, the intel given to him about Soleimani, and you know was presented with options by the intel community, and um, and you know and they chose and and acted upon. So you know, so now we trust the intel community, or or, you know, we can't have it both ways. And so there's a a joke to be made there.
1: There's there's clearly a joke to be made there about Trump and trusting intelligence, but. You know, it, it is it is kind of weird that he would, yeah, you know, have such negative statements. And one of they like, look, I'm not going to sit here and defend, you know, actions of government agencies when they do wrong. But, I mean, usually it, it's the conservatives that are telling us that we need to trust law enforcement. And Donald Trump has been one of the most vocal people against federal law enforcement, at least, uh, that I've seen in a very long time. Um, like, what is there to gain – by him putting this level of distrust. Now, did did they do some improper things? I'm sure they did. You know, intelli- our intelligence communities have had historical examples throughout history where they have not done the right thing, um, and and have potentially believed that the things were good or the ends justified the means or what have you. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, they, I, I, don't, well, I don't, I don't. You, you make a very good point that it's hard to, it's hard to say. Okay, well you know, we're going to talk badly about these intelligence agencies, but then trust them to make this action. That is, that is, and now we can't yeah. even know any details about what it was. And, and look, you know, you say, you know, how do you tell them when a politician is lying, their lips are moving,
0: you know, exactly. you know
1: how would, how would, how would they, uh, am I really supposed to, you know, if, if you were to tell somebody else on the other side of the aisle, you know, you know. Do you really believe that person when they say it's 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 believable? You know, a lot of people <laughs> believe certain information was true that wasn't true um, back when that got us into Iraq in the first place. Those sixteen mm-hmm. words. So, but right. um, a lot but, of but I think a, a, a go ahead. What what say that again? I missed it.
0: Oh, I said I was. A, I'm a conservative Republican.
1: Okay, I have been since the
0: age of eighteen. I voted for Trump. Um, I'm not a, you know, a person that is blindly uh, following Trump as far as anything and everything that he says or does. He's perfect. That's no way. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm critical. You know, as I mentioned a moment ago, you know, I'm not, uh, you know, very happy with how that uh, strike had taken place. And for all we know, as you mentioned, we don't know everything and we can't because it's classified. But for all we right. know, it was, everything was good about it. They took the opportunity. There was, they didn't see any other opportunity, so they did what they needed to do. Uh, because they already had a ton of money that is, had uh, burned down our MSD and attached it and everything else. So, um, again, I'm just not pleased with the way they had gone about it. And they didn't give us very, very much information, even after the strike. You know, I was telling my husband, um, I honestly hadn't heard of his name before. So how do Mm -hmm. I know that this guy just didn't come out of thin air, you know, and um, because they wanted to start a war? You know, I don't know.
1: (laughs) Is there um, there a, uh, um, do you plan on voting for Trump again in 2020?
2: Yes.
1: Okay. Is there a is there potentially a Democrat in the field right now who could change your mind if they were the candidate?
0: No. <laughs> okay. Do no. do
1: you do you, um, do you feel do you feel as hopeless as I do that neither of our votes matter because you live in California and I live in Louisiana? Yes. <laughs> well, so there you go. <laughs> At least we can find some common ground there. That we might disagree politically, but our both of our votes don't count. So
0: <laughs> I think that, uh, well, for California, you know, it's, it's, it's all pretty much Democrats. So, right. You know, whenever I have um, something to say to my congressman or woman or same with the Senator, uh, it falls on deaf ears. I, I've yelled right. I've called, and um, it's unfortunate. And I don't know how uh, the Republicans run their side, as far as if I had a Republican on, um, in California that I could go to to suggest or complain or whatever. Um, Right. If they would actually listen to a Democrat that called or or a liberal or anybody else, or if they just, you know, are agenda driven, I I don't know. I can't say, but I I do know um, the ones here in California are agenda driven. It's like I am for my party Mm -hmm. when actually you should be for your district, (laughs) you know, whether they are a Democrat or or Republican.
1: (laughs) I, I mean, I have, you know, I, I I do have my personal representative in Congress is a Democrat. So I just happen to live in New Orleans, so and not a mm-hmm. gerrymandered part. Or I, I actually am in the part that's gerrymandered because our our seat the seat boundary is so con- weirdly concocted that it actually includes New Orleans and just rides up the Mississippi River and then goes to Baton Rouge, so which is about an hour away. Um that's, oh, wow. That's one district. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Um now of course Louisiana is very Republican, very conservative, but if you were to give as many seats votes if you were to elect slates of candidate candidates versus just chopping up into weirdly shaped districts, we would probably have two seats out of six instead of one seat out of six. And I think I think I did the math on it. California might have a few more seats as well, um, if you're comparing percentage of seats controlled versus percentage of California that's Republican. So it might, the the gerrymandering might cancel each other out a little bit in some States, but um, I'm still a big, I'm still opposed to it. But weirdly enough, I actually, I know. And for a brief second, for a brief while ran against uh, Steve Scalise. Uh, Mm -hmm. So, I mean, like I could probably walk up to Steve Scalise and be like, Hey, how's it going? Shake your hand and have a conversation because we know each other. But I, I don't think he'd listen to me. I don't think he'd listen to me for one second about any sort of policy thing, anyway, because he'd probably just parrot the whole party line as well. So, <laughs> unfortunately, I think that's the case with. I, I, one of the things I think, and I've complained about this on the program as well too, is that um, gerrymandering I think tends to make our districts more, more extreme, and it makes it less likely for us to find compromise. It finds it, makes it less likely for us to elect. Candidates who will stand more towards from the middle of the population.
2: Um, yes, um, I agree. They,
0: I, I, I also think that both sides have just gotten so party-driven. And, you know, it's not not about serving anymore. It's about remaining in power and, you know, running their agenda. is so what they think is best for us rather than us telling them this is what we want or what we need uh, for you to do. Yeah. Right. And when I was um, yeah.
1: Yeah. when I lived in a suburb of uh, New Orleans, the city of Kenner, uh, there was one election where there was a election for police chief and there was a Democrat in the race. Um, he fell asleep during one of the forums, but he was in the race. And but I voted for one of the Republicans because he was the best qualified person for the position. So I'm, mm-hmm. I can state and I've also voted for the Republican mayor in that election as well. And I think there was also a Democrat, but she wasn't going to win. Uh, So Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, you know, I will vote for the person who I feel is the best qualified for the position, regardless of party. And for a while, Mm -hmm. I was registered no party uh, because the Louisiana Democratic Party uh, endorsed unrepentant convicted felon Edwin Edwards, the former governor of Louisiana for Congress. Um, And I did not think they were going to do that at all. I called into this one conservative talk show that I call into a bunch and I said, look, if the Louisiana Democratic Party endorses this clown, I'm going to register no party. And they did. So I did. And I did that. For, I was that way until at the very end of last year when I decided, you know what, I, I, if, if this primary comes out in Louisiana, I want to be able to have a say and we have a closed primary system in Louisiana. So I went ahead and re-registered as a Democrat. But again, I did the other thing as a Democrat too. So you never know anyway, but I do want to thank <laughs> you for calling in this show. I do appreciate hearing from the other side and you know, Probably agree on, on some and disagree on more, but we could. Oh, I, sh- sure. I think you're you calling know, in the has
0: At the end of the day, we just watch what's yeah. best for the country, you know, as a whole. I, and I'm just tired of, the, of agendas, agendas, agendas. Let's just bring about right. the agendas and, and start, you know, building it back up to, to um, the sanity. And these people that have been there for for ages, you know, they go in young and they come out, you know, in a coffin basically before they're ready to go. It's just yeah. that it was never meant to be uh, a career. And it's unfortunate, you know, that it is. And as far as you, um, your political, leanings, um, uh you said you're a liberal. Is that liberal as in libertarian liberal? Or because uh, it sounds more like you're on the side of libertarians.
1: I mean, I, I I am, you know, on the social but issues, I'm day. definitely mm-hmm. like – I mean, there are – I think a lot of people like to use the libertarian label loosely uh, or, or liberally to uh, try to cover – I mean, you have people like Sean Hannity calling themselves libertarians. You have people – you know, when it comes to – you know, I, I do want less government involvement in, in a lot of lot of my life, but I do think that government has a strong role to play in other parts of life, like um, – preventing or working to prevent, um, you know, ecological disasters by polluting companies, for example. I, I don't, I don't believe in, I, I see a lot of issues with um, libertarian minded conservatives who will do, who will fight regulations on businesses, uh, but then also want to enact tort reform to prevent people from getting um from, from being able to using tort reform as uh, as a stick, so to speak, to to kind of convince them to, oh, well, maybe we shouldn't do these bad things because we might get sued. Um, but unfortunately the way corporations work, you have such situations where you can pollute, pollute, pollute. And then if your business gets fined, well, you've already made your millions of dollars. Uh, you can jump out with your golden parachute and the people left holding the bag or, the people who have to clean up the mess of the company that no longer exists. Uh, So I I know there are libertarians that I have. I'm a a good friend with one guy who is a libertarian who absolutely abhors corporations and thinks that they are morally repugnant, thinks that they shouldn't exist. Um, But it's hard to, you have to fight the issues in the system that we have, not necessarily in the system that we wish we had. So um, on regulations, you know, I'm less libertarian because I think that a lot of businesses have proven that they can't be trusted, especially in the insurance industry. Um, you know, you had situations where where people would have health insurance because they wanted to protect themselves in case they got sick, and then the insurance policies would cancel them because they were too sick. And when rescission happens like that, when when you have these pre-existing condition clauses that are absurdly enforced. Uh, When people try and make claims against, you know, other diseases, um, that's why you need government to step in and say, you know what, you know, you need to act right. And they're still not acting right. I mean, my health insurance is still ridiculous, even with the Affordable Care Act, because they figured out ways on how to get around, um, you know, yeah, my my, my annual visits are covered at 100% first dollar, great my insurance policy is still 800 bucks a month for my family. And that's only because I was able to use my LLC for the corp, for the podcast, to be able to get myself to have a group policy where I'm one per member of the group. And my wife is a number of the member of the group. So it's, uh-huh. <clears throat> when you have to jump around hoops like that, to try and save as much money as possible, I think that you wind up with situations that if you, if the insurance, if these industries prove that they can't be trusted to act in the best interests of the people around them and not just, you know, see the short-term profit, regardless of the harm. I think that's why you need regulation. And so ultimately I think it's why I'm out, at the end of the day would probably be less likely to call myself a libertarian, even though on other issues, I say, look, it's none of, of government's business, you know, what I do in my personal affairs, as long as I'm not harming anybody. But, if I'm harming somebody, government has a reason to act, and government I think also has a reason to act to prevent the harm in the first place so I guess that's where i that's where I lay down most of my opinions on on issues and how I decide I where see. where to where to lay
0: okay um well, um I know the classic libertarian you know uh, I guess would fall under john Locke and mm-hmm. and I get where you're coming from. Would you agree that? if our country was actually run the way it was supposed to, where um, medical insurance and other corporations like uh, social media corporations, um, just giant corporations all together, um, were not monopolized as they are, that it was never meant to be. And yet we see these cable companies and social media companies and insurance companies monopolizing the market. And so when they do that, it, it crushes competition, because a little guy can't even get in um, and fight up against the corporation. You know, the whole thing of free market is basically competition, and that is, okay, we both can get any opportunities there. Um, Nobody really has the more advantage, because it's not a matter of who has the money is the way it's supposed to work. Um, It's basically, I want the customer, so I may lower my price. And the other guy says, oh, crud, well, maybe we'll lower our price. You know, sometimes it goes the other way, but more often, it's more to serve the customer, but nowadays it's these big corporations that monopolize everything. So there's no way to have any competition. So the prices continue to go up, and and the American people, the consumer, uh, is basically you know eating it. <laughs> the I, was to to about, I was actually going to talk about
1: I was actually going to talk about a corporation that that did something like that, and um, I think there are a lot of businesses where competition is is should be what comes into play but there are also a lot of companies with uh where um maybe you know more of uh like i don't know like like electricity companies a lot of the times people say that that those it it doesn't become as efficient as possible if you have like three or four companies trying to give power in an area because it's all coming over the same lines now in that sort of a situation i actually am supportive of a more of an idea where you know maybe some sort of government entity or non-governmental organization is responsible for controlling the wires themselves and the infrastructure, and then multiple power companies can sell their power over the lines, that would probably be a better idea than what a lot of places have. I think Texas, at least some part of Texas, does something similar to that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, AT&T uh, came out with what was called DirecTV Now, because AT&T and DirecTV are the same company. Um, so they came mm-hmm. up with DirecTV now. They changed it to ATT and t now. Um, and interesting thing about that is, I was an early adopter on on AT&T now. Um, and I said, hey, you, your your plan, you're going to get the the big plan for 35 bucks, and that's what's that's going to be your rate, because you're an early adopter. Then I looked uh-huh. at my bill one day, not after having after receiving no emails or anything. I looked at my credit card statement, and I saw that they just charged me 50 bucks. And I was like, why'd you charge me 50 bucks? Oh, your rate went up. What? You told me I was going to get 35, a plan for 35 bucks. You never told me that that plan was introductory or temporary or was going to last a certain amount of time. You told me my rate was 35 bucks. And they go, oh, well, this is an issue. This is, this is what we have to deal with, and we're no longer offering that. You're still paying less than what the other people are paying for the plan. It doesn't do me any good because it's still, you're charging to more than what you promised me. And now I just found out that yesterday that they went up to 60 bucks a month. What, what recourse do I have? How do I fight AT&T? Like there's no way, there's no way for me to fight AT&T except for potentially going to another company, but odds are that other company is going to probably act the same way. They're going to charge me some low rate to jump in and then say, Oh, well, I'm sorry. We had to change our rates again because of, you know, we have to pay for these programs and everything like that. So you really wind up not having, um, not having as issues, and as as you said, uh, when these big companies are able to control uh, the market, unless unless you're providing like a niche product or service uh, that makes you specifically special, barriers to entry uh, to the market prevent a lot of small businesses from simply getting in in the first place, and that's
2: mm-hmm. why a lot of
1: times you have to break up these companies. But a lot of times yeah. the whole breaking up of these companies are a farce, and they, these companies wind up colluding on a lot of things anyway. So, I mean, like.
0: Oh, yeah, they have oops. their shell companies and stuff, you know, that yeah. they're all still a big part of. But I, I know that um, there was a time not too long ago when there, when the free market was working the way it was supposed to with cell phone companies in that, um, you know, where Sprint and AT&T were really high-priced um you would have these other companies that would come in and buy your contract. They offered buying your contract out. You should keep your phone number if you came, you know, went with them. And so that forced Sprint and AT&T to lower their prices, but that was only until that they could acquire more companies and, you know, right, combine them all and, and squash that little guy out. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
1: well, but now you have T-Mobile and Sprint trying to get together, basically two companies that are terrible trying to form the, to make one terrible company. Um, I'm not convinced that that, that the whole is going to be greater than the sum of their parts. It's probably going to be worse. Um, yeah. But,
0: it's like government. Yeah. <laughs> government can't function. And then to put anything under government is like, really? I think it would be better to do it on a state basis. I like your idea as far as the state managing their, you know, electrical infrastructure. Um, and then the utility companies can, you know, purchase, or rent or whatever, so that they can run their line, their electricity line. I like that, but not a national under federal. Yeah. yeah I, don't, I don't think I don't <laughs> think that's something that's federally, but but
1: a lot of the times, like people say that you know small small government, local government is better uh, than 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 the bigger government. But in reality, you know the small government is, is what winds up sometimes being more intrusive into our lives. I mean the smallest type of quote, government that you can have, if you want to call it a government, self-rule, are like these little neighborhood associations, and, and you get these people in these neighborhood associations that have their power, and they're like, ooh, I'm going to use my power directly over this small group of people. And, and so you know the, the smaller, the, the more local the government is, the closer they are to you, whereas the people in D.C., I mean, they, they have less of an ability to affect me. At a personal level now maybe they affect my employer maybe they affect a bunch of other things that could benefit or detriment me that's true um and i think those issues Uh, you hmm?
0: think about the agencies that are created the amount of agencies that we have that have no accountability whatsoever no fiscal accountability or anything else they just run and they get fed you know taxpayer dollars to run i mean the intelligence agency alone just, just the NSA or just the CIA, you know, has branches of intelligence agencies, um, not just nationwide or worldwide, but um, on top of the CIA, then they have a subcategory and then another subcategory. And it, that's what I mean by big government as far as, you know, it needs to be minimized because what, what are all these people doing? And as the Pentagon, uh, the news had just come out not too long ago. Donald Trump had recently, somewhat recently, ordered uh, an audit They've never been audited before, and then mm-hmm. they complain that they can't be audited because they don't save receipts, they don't keep books because it's all classified.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> like, but now you have space force. To, now you have space force too, so that's another level of agency, another agency that we have to deal with the space force.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. I don't know
1: why. I don't know why the the space force or any idea of of space exploration. Why they couldn't be just part of NASA or part of the Air Force, both, whatever. I mean, military spending. I mean, don't get me started on military spending. I mean, I'm all for paying our troops what they should be paid and maybe more, making sure that our troops have good health care uh, for doing the jobs that they do and be able to handle the things that they have to deal with that perhaps ordinary citizens would not have to handle. Um, I don't think a troop should be in a situation like uh, I saw shared on my Facebook page on liberalfacebook.com slash liberal Dan. Uh, I, th- I think I shared that there where you had the, the person I I who plugged. was. But mm-hmm. Yeah, a little plug. Uh, the person he was—he—he was, he, he was had—he wasn't able to get his um artificial legs as as a veteran because there was some issue uh, with with it, and there was going to be, I think, some copay that was preventing him from getting his legs. And of course, my horribleness went to. But Lieutenant Dan, you ain't got no legs from Forrest Gump. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's still a sh- it's still a shame that
2: this mm-hmm. person
1: who risked his life for our country country. And I don't. I'm not sure if he lost his legs in service or not. i probably did. He should have not have to worry about paying for artificial legs and or having them fitted. Because I think the issue was they weren't getting them fitted um, because he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't afford it. And no veteran should have to say I can't afford for this treatment that I've got that I needed because of the service that I gave to this country. That being said, on yeah. the other side of the coin you know we've had parking lots full of tanks um the uh, additional like there was an f they built the f22 i want to say if i'm if i'm not quoting the plane correctly someone can correct me um but i think the it's the f22
0: okay it,
1: it was either the f22 or the f35 it was built in response to uh the p- intelligence that showed a class of like russian mig fighters that we would have to build a better fighter to deal with um that fighter never came and the military didn't want any more of these fighters that were built to counter the Russian Mig that never came. They wanted fighters that would be better at dealing with like surface to like from the air to the ground to deal with, you know, controlling a battlefield, not controlling air superiority because we already have better air support with what we had. We didn't need any more, but we had, but Congress still voted to pay for more planes that were not wanted Congress voted for tanks that were not wanted. I mean, the literally the, the army said no tanks, um, but yeah. they still gave them to him anyway. And so that's, that's another area of, of government bloat that I would target. But unfortunately you go after those and then people say, well, they're not supporting our military because our military needs these things. When in reality, it's uh it was the Republican Eisenhower who warned us against the military industrial complex. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, you know, it's I'll out of quote control. Republicans: "Don't blow in the face." Yeah, it's, it's crazy. We it's spend far too much money on that. If, 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 if and to me, we
0: don't, we don't even know don't where know. it's all going.
1: No. Was <laughs> it the line I, from um, Independence Day? You think they pay fifty thousand dollars for a, for a hammer? So it goes to it goes to the other areas that they don't want to talk about. So. Mhm.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And so. the fact that they don't want to lose their budget. They should put some type of restrictions on that because once the military s- submits their budget, then the committee hears it and then Congress votes on it. And that budget that they have, if they don't spend it all, if they have to spend right. it all, or, you know, they will get less next time, which makes sense right. because you have—you still have money. So it would make sense that you don't need as much as you did because those two together will make what you wanted in the first place. And so that, that extra, thats uh, or not extra, but what's left over, that's what gets spent you know, 150 bucks on a, <laughs> I <that> a hammer <laughs> right. or pins or whatever just so that they can maintain that. And that's wrong. That's absolutely yeah. wrong. So now they have what they asked submitting for. Um, and then, as you were saying, you know, that money that supposedly was spent on those hammers, um, they have that in addition. And it's like, what do you need all that money for? What are you guys all doing? We're not at war right now. We shouldn't be in doing any proxy wars. We need, We need to come home. You know, it's been, it's made clear that we can do precision targets now with drones so we don't have to sacrifice right. any more lives. So, I mean, we're superior as it is right now, and many of those countries don't have even, you know, any type of um, planes, you know, any type of fighter right. jets or anything like that. So it's like if we needed to, to settle them down, to make them behave, if they start, you know, rooting their little heads of terror, Okay, let's send them the drones. Take them out. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, back. Let's go home, boys. You know we're done. We don't need no um, nation-building crap. Sorry, pardon my language.
1: No, it's fine. But, uh, Worse <laughs> has been said on the show. Uh, and you know, and I, I was told by people who are, who I know, who are in the military, who probably know this better than I do, but uh, they've said that. You know, I think one of our aircraft carrier groups. So not just the carrier and the planes on the carrier, but all of the support vessels that support an aircraft carrier submarines, you know, destroyers, other other vessels that would be part Mm of uh, one of our carrier groups, I think has more firepower than the rest of the world combined. And we have at least five or six in operation and eight overall. Maybe some are mothballed. You know, we have we have we have so much more firepower than the rest of the world. The idea that we're concerned that the rest of the world might catch up, you know, if if we spent maybe the effort. (laughs) not trying to instigate fake wars and instead trying to work on some actual diplomacy some good some some goodwill. you know maybe we wouldn't need those militaries in the first place and while i'm all supportive i'm all for having a military and being able to say look if you come mess with us we can take you out so don't think of messing with us i'm also all for never using a military if it's if we don't have to if we have to if the, if the people serving in a uniform just has to sit in a navy base or an army base or whatever and play cards and exercise and be ready and not have to risk their lives one day. That that's a good thing. So
0: I agree. I had an ex husband, um was uh fought in Desert Storm in the Marine Corps. So,
2: mm-hmm. um
0: yeah, it, they they were one of the units that pretty much just stood or sat and uh didn't do too much. So that was a good thing, you know. <laughs> or they didn't right. do too much battle. But there was um they would say a lot of waste of time um, just sitting out there. There was really no purpose for them to be there. But um, I guess for support. But nevertheless, uh, yeah. We've got, we, we were military capable of of not having to send all these troops out there and spend all these trillions of dollars uh, because nobody's actually has the capability to actually come here on America's right. scale. Yes, we had the 9-11 attack, but there was intel that was given that was ignored, <laughs> So, you know, it wasn't um they got around things. It was just said
1: so superior. <laughs> right. So, well, anyway, thank you for calling in. I do appreciate it. You are more than welcome to call back. I'll, I'll be back on the air uh, next week. Um, I also do the um, little mini-cast that I do. This is one of the reasons that I, I usually do the show for an hour, but I schedule it for an hour and a half just in case I get talking and we just, and we had a good conversation. So I saw no reason to cut it off, but I am getting close to the end of the half hour. So, um, do Thanks want to go ahead and call. shut it off? Oh, it's my pleasure. Again, call back, tell your friends, say, hey, this is reasonable liberal guy who I talked to. Um, so
0: i be more than I happy to have you on again.
1: <laughs> you too as well. Thank have you. a great day. Have a great night. Good night. Bye bye. All right. Well, there you go. It's just proof that we could have conversation with uh, different people from different sides of the aisle and still wind up having a good conversation, even if we disagree on some of the issues. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, she was right out, you know, there are some libertarian thoughts that I agree with, or some libertarian thoughts that I disagree with. Um, but, you know, less government interfering in my ability to do things that I consent to and other people consent to is a good thing. Again, as long as we're not causing harm to everybody else, that's where I ultimately think that government does have a role is ultimately to prevent, the harm that is done from people and corporations to other people and corporations, and that's the main role of government, and that should be the main determining factor for almost everything that is um, allowing people to have, you know, life, liberty, and a pursuit of happiness, so this is the end of Liberal Day and Radio for this week, Uh, not the end overall, but I'll be back next week at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. I also have the mini-cast, that I'll probably do at least one, not two, before next week, so tune in on that on Anchor. Follow me uh, liberaldan.com uh, facebookcom slash Dan and at Liberaldan Dan on Twitter, Twitter. Until next week this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan radio. Talk from the left that's right.